Alright, I'm going to cast Freed from the Real, targeting Zaxara, which allows me to generate infinite mana of any colour, which I will then use In to cast- response- ca Wait, what? I have a response. Isn't, isn't that what you're supposed to say when you have a response to it? <laughs> no, no, no. You have one white mana, you're a budget player, so I know you're not running Swords or Path to Exile. What, what, what are you doing here? I'm going to cast Blacksmith's Skill, targeting Zaxara. And what does that do? It's like a counter spell, but but it's a dollar and it's funny. All right, wait, no, no, no. What does this do? So yeah, hexproof and indestructible. Wait, I'm confused. Freed from the real doesn't resolve. Wait, do I? I gotta have something here. Did counter spell anything? I gotta oh, have. Oh, James doesn't have a no, no, response. No, 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 no. Um, I do. No, 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 no. What? <laughs> That is exactly how that would go down. Too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome everybody uh, to the Get Commanded podcast by the Greensboro Commander community. It's the GCP by the GCC, helping you to have better games of Commander. I am your host, Walt. And I am your gracious co-host, James, who just got absolutely annihilated by one mana white instant spell, which I actually have fever dreams about at night. Um, <laughs> mana Tithe is one of those scary spells that blue players pretend don't exist. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, it's always spooky when someone responds to something in a way that you're not expecting. You're not prepared for. You no, <laughs> you don't. You don't plan for white no. to have a response. No, to you look you over at a table. Someone's got one planes untapped. You're like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, unless unless I suppose you, you do expect the swords or something, but you don't expect it to stop you from yeah. doing what you're going to do anyway. Yes. Uh, now before we get uh, too carried away, there we've actually got an incoming transmission. I cannot wait. Bring it on. What is our command? Oh gracious space command lords well, let me just tell you so it's from the deep depths of the galaxy of course from our good friends the space commanders it's time to get commanded know your playstyle and know when to move outside of it Ooh, playstyles i'm a big fan of this because um i've become known for being the player that has a response always <laughs> as as known as it pointed out now a little bit at the start there i mean i have in response tattooed on my arm so you do i'm it's... keen to talk about this one i mean i think as far as people who play you know in the, the regular group of people that we play in i i can define your playstyle pretty <laughs> easily i think no it's not always applying but you've got a particular way that you go about it um but look most of us have one right most of us have yeah you know, a particular way of playing the game that we gravitate towards. Um, so first off, I suppose we've got to try and think about how can we define this playstyle that we have? How can yes. we how can we use words that, that's clear to us what our playstyle is so that we can, as the Space Commander said, know when to move outside of it as and, well? And thankfully, because this game has been going on for such a long period of time, that these playstyles have become kind of titled almost. They've almost had yeah, there's kind of archetypes and yeah. personifications around them as well, which I find really interesting. Yeah, so we're going to be referring to a few of these sort of um, they're almost like characters, I suppose, but yeah, people like... really identify with them. Um, so they have names. So there's there's these sort of archetypes that are prevalent in magic in general. Um, I think they obviously they started in 60 card formats because yeah. Magic is predominantly a 60 card game. And this is um, a fan created format. Yes, exactly. But but I, I think they translate across pretty well for Commander. Mm. It's a little bit different, but it's, it's you know, it's a similar kind of thing. So um, basically they've got names. So their names are Timmy, Johnny and Spike are the main ones. But And that's the, the ones we'll be covering today. But um, to start with, so Timmy. Uh, a Timmy is someone... 
who enjoys big, splashy plays. Like, you know, huge creatures. Um, I think about the kind of play that if you saw it happen in game nights... It's usually greeted by the table going, whoa! Yeah, you know, and then they like, cut to the interview and go, wow, that was big! Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and not, not, like, look, they often do that to things that are not that impressive. <laughs> <Let's be laughs> they real. gotta dramatise it up a little They do, they do. But, like, you know, it's that, it's that huge, splashy thing. A Timmy loves playing a card that just warps the game around it. Yeah. It's a single card. It's, they're not talking about, like, combinations of cards so much. It's just like, I play this thing, and you should be afraid of this thing. And they usually play it in the way where they raise their arm high <laughs> above their head, <laughs> and they slam that they card do. on the table like it's coming down on a meteor. They and do. I'm not sure if you know this, Walt, but the, the, the archetypes that we're going through have actually been given, like, silver-boarded cards. They have their own They cards. do. I've and, seen these. And to encapsulate them, the Timmy the, is the one I always remember, because he's in a dinosaur onesie Isn't on the it, card it's timmy power gamer, power gamer. Right? <laughs> yeah which i find <laughs> hilarious because which i'm trying to think of like players at our store that fit that archetype and all of them i can imagine in a dinosaur onesie rocking <laughs> <laughs> rocking one of those shocking. one of those slam cards on the table kind of thing but yeah. to a certain extent i think i'm a little bit of a timmy i think everyone you cannot deny it. when you cast as a tulpa primal dawn you feel like a bit of a badass. You do, you do. I, and I, I think there are decks that are more like this yeah. than others as well. So, like, Zatolpa, you play in your Gishath deck. Oh, Gishath is a love hitting that. 100% pure Timmy deck. The whole it's di- big dinosaurs smacking you in the face. And That's the whole Timmy. point of the deck is just to put more of them on. There's no other strategy. The strategy is <laughs> get Gishath down and punch face so then you can have more things to punch more faces. You just That's- it's, you, you punch face and, and it, so on. It's, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I want the first number at the bottom left, uh, bottom right hand side of that card to be as big as possible, yeah. and that's 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 being a Timmy. And 100%. I think I think everyone to a certain extent likes being a Timmy, but yeah. I think that real Timmy players build decks like my Gishath deck, like yeah. that are designed to just throw down big cards. You're not going to have like a Rings of Bright Hearth in one of those decks. No, those cards aren't the cards that fit there. No. It's the cards like Zatalpa Primal Dawn or one of my other favorite things because I play Zaxara is one of my other decks which you mentioned earlier mm. and oh a big Tom and a Hailfire Ooh, that's yeah. a Timmy move that's a Timmy move that's definitely a Timmy move um, I also would think of cards like um, from Commander Legends Apex Devastator the 10 yes. mana is it a 10 mana 10 10 I think it is it's gotta be but it also importantly says on it this is the only text on the card Cascade 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 that's that's four cascade. That is ridiculous. <laughs> For people who aren't familiar, cascade means you reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land card that costs less than, in this case, ten, and you cast it without paying its mana cost, and you do this four times. Which, by the way, I'm not sure if you've ever looked at like your deck lists on Moxfield or you know you're really into the deck building and manicos, but most things cost less than ten. So like you're gonna hit significantly, some really, yeah, significantly less than ten. Yeah, so, it's yeah. one of those big splashy. I've done nothing all game but cast rampant growth, cultivate explosive vegetation, <laughs> and now I'm slamming a ten yeah, ten on field. It's the kind of card that, as you said, you raise above the table and you fling down and say, yeah. you know, I dare you to do something. This is the other thing about cascade. Going back to the counter spell oh, thing from true, earlier, yeah. the the cascade is a cast trigger. So when you cast the spell. 
all of those cascade things happen and they actually go on top of it on the stack. So if you're a good player, what you'll actually do is you'll wait for the all of the cascade spells to be on the stack. But importantly, if you wanted to counter spell the Apex Devastator, they are still getting cascade, cascade, cascade. Things. Yeah. yeah, that's that's happening no matter I what. reckon there must have been a moment where like Commander Legends came out and they they were spoiling all the different archetypes and there was a bunch there was a group meeting of Timmies and they went, <laughs> Boys cascades in this set <laughs> uh we're we're set here ladies and gentlemen we're ready to go because oh, so cascade is one of those mechanics for timmy players that they absolutely love i think x cost cards again huge yep. timmy moves and that um, kind of thing. just yeah. big creatures things that say fight as well i think yep. timmy players love fight, fight mechanics. style things yeah yep, definitely in terms of players as well um, I think a good place to look for this online. It's not always the case, but Jimmy Wong on game nights, I do yeah. think is like pure Timmy. The way he builds yeah. his decks, he just wants to cast like big splashy things. And if you look like realistically, his bottom half of the mana curve is just mana acceleration and tutoring. <laughs> That's, That's literally all he does in the in the the one to four mana mana curve is yep. tutors and ramp. And ramp. And anything above five CMC is usually one of those game altering, I'm about to blow you out of the water kind of cards. 100%. 100%. That's definitely the way he plays. And um, yeah, Timmy's are about those big creatures, big players. Um, now the next one, do you want to talk about this one? Yeah, I, I really like um, the the next archetype, the um, the Johnny player. Um, the Johnny player is definitely something that I think I fit the the like the the, the I play to that sheet music I, very I would, well. I would lean you. I know you said you were a bit of a Timmy, and I agree you are, but yeah. I think you're more of a Johnny. But I think I get to the Timmy through being Johnny. I think that's how it, because like, the, so what a Johnny is, like, I'll explain it. So it's, it's about being very intricate with your interactions, building really complex, um, almost engines. If we're using mm. the example of Game Nights, the antithesis to Jimmy is JLK, Josh yeah, Quiet. And if, 100%. And every time I watch that man play, it's like watching, you know, your favorite musician play live. It's like, yeah. I, like oh, I wish I could play like that. I yeah. wish I could do that. Definitely. And for me, I think the, the Johnny player is about have you you've seen you've watched Doctor Who, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, you know that line that David Tennant's doctor says that he's like I'm always the smartest man in the room. That is a Johnny player. And and yeah. every time a Johnny player sits down at the table, they will usually do the like silent, you know, Mr. Burns crested fingers <laughs> kind of thing going excellent, excellent and they'll yeah. come in at just the right moment yeah. and yeah. completely warp the game because of some weird interaction it'll Definitely. usually be like i tap this to untap this thing which allows me to tap this which generates me two more mana than i need <laughs> so then i can untap this thing which allows me to cast this for free and when i cast it this bounces to hand so then i can play it again <laughs> which triggers this end of the battlefield event funnily enough you are describing a jlk deck 100 yeah. percent. like his his tim deck is what mm. he calls it so to the tim, deck, yeah, yeah. Tim, tim cards oh, for those who don't know it's going to get so confusing because we're always talking about Timmy. Yes. But, but Tim is actually a very old magic card called Prodigal Sorcerer that just says, tap it, it deals one damage to any target. And see, like, on the surface, any other player goes, that's a fine card. It's like combos, which is, you know, you can yeah. tap it, remove something. Maybe, like, that's one part, that one toughness. That's pretty good. Yeah. But a, a, a Johnny looks at that card and goes, that's... 
That's half of an engine. Yes. I can... I can make this something yeah. greater than the sum of yeah. its parts. Yeah, 100%. And, and there's something like being a Johnny player myself, I find that there is some weird satisfaction I get about building an engine on field. Like that's mm. something that Johnny's really love to do is they love to put together like five, six, in some cases, like seven cards yep. that do something spectacular together, but mm. on their own, they're not that fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I, I think it's, um, I think I probably, I'm a particular kind of Johnny, but I do think I fit this category because I build budget decks and because I love casting a spell that nobody's heard of. Just yes. No one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want people to look at the card and go, "What?" I have consistently reached across the table and gone, "Can I read this card, please?" <laughs> <laughs> it happens like so much of the time when I'm at the store. There's some people who play me enough times that like are familiar with how my decks are going to run, but still, I mean, you, you, you play yeah. probably more Magic, more Commander with me than anyone else who I, I, I play with. I would say I have the unfortunate pleasure of having. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm sure I still cast spells that you're like, "What the hell is that?" And I think that yeah. is a Johnny thing. It's it's about finding interactions that that maybe other people wouldn't think of yeah and i think because like there's a little bit of overlap with the spike which we'll talk about in a second with like mm. the interesting plays and all that kind of stuff but i think that using specific cards like you said is one thing but also johnny's love to be the the clever person in the room so they mm. love to be on the stack they love they do. controlling a little bit they love making sure that th what they're doing is the most important thing in the game mm. and they, they i mean I'm a Johnny. I love being the threat player. If everyone at the table's pointing fingers at me, I know I'm doing something right. And that's like <laughs> reaffirming and buffing my ego a little yeah, bit that yeah. I'm playing this game correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and, and there is also um, a very clear thing that we associate with Johnny's, which is also combos. Like, and I think I think mm. the, the card, funnily enough, we go back to the unset card. You know, we talked about Jimmy Power Gamer. Uh, Timmy Power Timmy Gamer, Power, sorry. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Johnny Combo Player. I'm pretty sure I, that's the card. I'm gonna Google it because I'm gonna I'm gonna try and find and make sure it is because I'm pretty I sure think it you're is. Right. But it's definitely something we associate with Johnny's because um, you know a combo is something that you have to plan for and you have to find the right combinations of cards to make that combo come together and work. It is. You, you're Johnny, correct. Johnny, Johnny combo player. player. For for two blue and a blue, you get a legendary creature, human gamer. It's a one one. <laughs> um and you can pay four mana to search your library for a card and put that card into your hand and shuffle. It's just a consistent demonic uh, diabolical tutor yep. on a card. Well there you go. And so. that that makes a lot of sense as well because that's something that Johnny players really love to do is obviously they have certain cards for certain situations that set up and turn on different bits of engines yeah and, and this probably throws back as well to our ending the game episode where we mentioned as well that not all combos are infinite combos Correct. and not all combos are cards that end or combos that end the game yeah on the spot so like you know if you encore around me that's a combo right you've used a combination of cards to achieve a greater thing than what would have been done in isolation like one gary is a certain amount of damage around the table yeah three garys is a lot more so you've combined two cards to have a greater effect than you would otherwise have had so that's you know that that kind of thing is also combo yeah and and i and i guess that you know being a combo player myself one of the most important things is running things like tutors uh, and like yep. things that search up specific pieces for your machine at just the right time so we're not calling all johnny players combo players but they do like to get the right card at the right time i think it's kind of that kind of thing where not all johnny's are combo players but all combo players are johnny's Ah, uh, like not all fingers are thumbs, but all thumbs are fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard that question before. 
It's a good expression, um, though. You can't deny. James, I can't see that on the script. Here. You, can't, you can't be throwing me these. I'm just. I'm going analogies. off the page. Well, don't worry uh, about it. Don't worry about uh, it. The other thing I was thinking of as well when I was thinking about these combinations of cards, I'm thinking about um, we ran a Chris Kringle event. Um, for, so much fun for those. I, I don't. I do want to jump in here yeah, for those sure. that are unaware of um, our wider community. We run a lot of different events that are centered around Commander and playing together as a big social group. And we ran an event which you amazingly put together and had the idea <laughs> for. And there was a lot of hard work that went around it. But it was basically a Chris Kringle event where the community would build each other budget Commander decks. Yeah, so and Chris then, Kringle, but the, the gift was the deck. The deck. Would build somewhere. And yeah. the, the, the community did all the... Like, the committee did all the hard work in terms of ordering the cards and putting them in sleeves and deck boxes. And we had some great partners for that event. Um, thanks to Palms Off Gaming for their sleeves. Just quick name drop there. Um, the and and it went really well. And we all sat down, and there was about like eight pods, something like that. Eight, I four, five pods, six pods, six, yeah, po- six, six pods. pods. Still it, 24, 24 players, which huge, is amazing. Huge yeah. turnout, and it was a great, great fun day. So that's something else that our community does. Um, if you're an external person listening to this podcast and want to come down and see what else our community does, mm-hmm. Good Games Greensboro is where we're usually housed and we will keep this podcast as upstate as possible. That's where we usually house ourselves. Um, but if you're finding this on the on the interwebs, come along and see what we do because we run sure. incredible events like this. Yeah, and even just Commander Night is, uh, is a lot of fun. But, every um, Tuesday. Every Tuesday every at Tuesday. Good Games Greensboro. Yeah. Um, good plug, by the way. <laughs> I do my best. I saw that we had some time in the script and I was like, I'm, I'm throwing this in there. Filling that up. Yeah. Uh, no, what I was going to say there specifically about the, the Chris Kringle thing is we had, um, we had, so the, as part of the event, people would, um, could write sort of what kind of a deck they wanted. Mm. And um, one member of our community, actually our committee as well, Ellie, said, I'd like, I'd like combos with many moving parts. Oh, um, you're referring to that deck. Yes. In, and yeah. so I, I ended up assigning people based on, I, I basically took what people's, request was and tried to assign them to someone who i thought could build that kind of a deck mm-hmm. and so i assigned ellie to v uh to vi and yeah. and vi right brain this, for the right deck this absurd deck they were messaging me like in the middle of like 2 a.m being like what do you think of this world oh my god i'm so excited what the hell is this what the hell is this <laughs> and then like we came up with a name for the combo which was jesus pig jesus pig <laughs> basically it won by sacrificing coal hauler swine i'm not even gonna try and wrap my head around the combo i read it once and i was like that sounds like it roughly works sure do it <laughs> yeah there's also i because i ended up playing against that deck on that day and honestly i um was so confused by it i kind of yeah. just went yeah sure you win <laughs> sure. um, <laughs> um it was something about a, a fiery covenant i think the spell my covenant was one there was a few different the- outlets that would let it work but basically you would like you had a i think coal hauler swine deals da- a certain amount of damage to each player i forget what the criteria when- it's it dealt damage, I think. Yes, when it's dealt yeah. damage, does that much play to each player? So you have a way of gaining the life back. I think you can give, give it, it life link, link or something, and yeah. then you just do this like infinite sacrifice. But it's just absurd. It's just this wacky, weird but thing. You, you are forgetting one thing that I feel like the listeners need to know is this deck didn't just come in a deck box with sleeves ready to play. Oh no, 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 no! It came with a five-page document. Oh that my outlined god! It, did it, the primer. It, it, so Vi made this deck, and obviously Vi's brain is some form of two monkeys in a trench coat <laughs> <laughs> kind of kind of mad scientist vibes but 
the deck was so complicated that they had to write about a 5,000 word essay to explain how the deck works. And if, if that isn't a Johnny player, yes. oh my God, exactly. there is like, honestly, Vi could probably sit at the throne of Johnny players and just yep. be forever ruler. I would crown them for yep. sure. Yeah. So that's definitely an example of if you've played against that deck, you know, around the town or you've seen some weird combo that just d- somehow works. You don't know how it works, but it does. That's a, that's a Johnny, for yeah, sure. that's a Johnny. For sure. Now, speaking of Johnnies, there is another character archetype or a player archetype that overlaps a little bit, which I really, really like, um, and it's Spike. Do you want to explain what a Spike player is? Sure. Well, the, the first thing that will come to mind for people who are familiar when they think of Spike is it's competitive. Mm. And, and I do think... I don't think it's the only part about being a Spike player, but it's a pretty big one, is that it's, it's about... Maybe not so much competitive, but it's about playing the absolute best that you can. So, um, I think the card is called Spike Tournament Grinder. I'm pretty sure in the, the magic card. I am way ahead of you. I've already got it up. <laughs> you are so correct. It is Spike Tournament Grinder for two Phyrexian Black Phyrexian Black, which also indicates something. Yes. Um, you get a 1-1 human gamer legendary creature. And might, might I just say, the artwork is phenomenal. The artwork is of um, a very cool red-haired dyed person with a shirt on it that says nope, but the O is a blue mana symbol, um, which <laughs> I think is amazing. And for Phyrexian Black, Phyrexian Black, Phyrexian Black, Phyrexian Black, you can choose a card you own from outside the game that has been banned or restricted in a constructed format. Reveal that card, put it into your hand. <laughs> so, like, if you're a Spike player you love winning like that's 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 it and like to use a term um to to go outside of our field a little bit i believe basketballers also uh, that's how down and in with the sports i am (laughs) the basketballers um they refer to like really hardcore players as spikes as well i think they get like they're saying this maybe it's got some like history before magic yeah possibly yeah yeah yeah. but it's um so look you know in terms of how it it's normally is in a 60 card format it's mm. normally about that player who just loves to play tournaments. They love to tweak their sideboard. Like, that's how it's normally portrayed in 60-card format. Yeah. It's someone who just wants to win no matter what. But in Commander, I think it kind of manifests in a slightly different way. Because, look, most of us are not playing CDH. CDH probably is mostly spiked, you'd I, have to say. I believe... I think you have to be a spike to play CDH, to be, yeah. to be honest. It's the only way you'd enjoy it. It's the only... It, I couldn't agree more. Like, you can be a Timmy player with, like, Timmy cards, but... You have to have the mindset of a spike you to do. play CDH. You do. But the way that I think it, it, we usually see it in casual commander, which is obviously mostly what we talk about, especially on the podcast, um, is that we see someone who is just fine-tuning. Mm. And they are obsessed with the intricacies of the deck. If, if the Johnny player is about like finding the weird combos, the spike player is about finding the perfect cards. Like I think about the fact mm. that um, I think JLK again is actually a little bit of a spike in oh, that. I think so too. JLK like analyzes the curve of his deck. Like he thinks about in which sequence he would like to be able to play cards. He thinks about which like what mana value he wants his ramp to be. He's like, I want yeah. all my ramp to be mana value two because I know that I have these five spells that I want to cast on turn three that cost four mana. Like that's the wow. that's the level of analysis that a spike is doing on their deck they're really really thinking how can i make this deck the best version of it that it could possibly be yeah i think spike players spend a lot of their time on websites like tapped out and moxfield and they 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 analyze the absolute heck out of everything about their decks and and something that i find about spikes as well is when they're when they're in the game 
when they're playing, something that's a really clear indicator of a spike to me is a player that gets to their turn, puts their elbow on the table and two fingers to their, like their temple to the side of their head. (laughs) And they start thinking really intensely because they are thinking of the exact way they want this turn to go. For sure. For sure. They're definitely not doing like if the, the joke of the Timmy is, oh, this is the spell in my hand that costs the most mana value. Slam! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then the spike is probably the opposite of yeah. that, in that, yeah, they're doing the, like, oh, if I play this first and then this, then, you know, my opponents won't know about this information that I would otherwise reveal. Like, it's really finding anywhere in the game they can get a slight advantage. And in Commander, I think that's normally going to be deck building. It's like, oh, I, I put this card in my deck and I played it the last five times and I didn't like it. But I have this other card that's slightly different, but it would be better in this kind of scenario. It's one so mana cheaper and yeah, it does this. But it like has a... this kind of effect. I'm yeah. going to substitute that in. I'm going to try that for five games. Like, I think about play testing. People who play test their commander yes. decks a bunch and then substitute things out, add other things in. Like, it's really... It's intricate. And I'm going to out someone that that's in our store that I couldn't think is more of a spike player, which is Jordan. Um, it, yeah. I, I'm going to throw his name out there. Jordan, uh, if you're listening to this episode of the podcast... This isn't a, a mean thing for us to say. You are incredibly good at analyzing your decks. And the way, something that Jordan does, which I picked up on, which I think is a really good tip to share. If you're looking at doing some playtesting stuff and you want to kind of maximize your deck's potential, but you don't want to buy the cards and commit to them and swap out cards yet, what you can do, and this I've seen Jordan do this, <laughs> is write, rip off a tiny little bit of paper and just write the name of the card you're thinking about putting in the deck and put it on top of a card that's already in your deck. So that way, when you're holding it, you can go, would that card be better than the card it really is right now? Oh, so, so not not like a proper proxy. Not like a proxy. Jordan does do this as well. Yes. He, he'll print out cards, yeah. like a, you know, a copy of the ma- the magic card, the front of the yeah. magic card, and put it in front of the, an actual card to so just like have it in the deck. This is like, I have seen him do this actually. It's really interesting, he'll, isn't he it? He will put like, yeah, just the name of the card he's thinking of swapping in. And, that, and the important thing is when he's looking at that card, he sees the name of the card he wants to try. And the card that's actually there. Exactly. And so he, in every time that he plays that card, he's going, ah, oh, like, I have this go for the throat in my deck, but what if this was um, Tragic Slip? Mm. And so every single time better? he's seeing that card, he's like, ah, oh, Tragic Slip would be better here. Oh, Tragic Slip would be better because here. That's, and that's like, indestructible, so I, I need the negative yeah. instead of the destroy target. Yeah. And this, that was that, one of the reasons why I added Jordan was because of that specifically. The way Jordan is able to look at like and the way jordan analyzes new sets as well is something fantastic to watch jordan Mm. is that type of person that goes this entire set there's like a hundred new cards i don't know how big a magic set is but like (laughs) so many new cards there are three of them that matter to me yeah like i've analyzed every single one these are the cards that i need and for sure and i noticed that and like we're obviously talking commander here but i think commander players that are spikes also they might have a game of MTGA going on their phone while they're sat in a, in a commander game. <laughs> they're definitely the ranked grinders yeah. of standard and, you know, maybe historic and that kind of thing. And, like, yeah, I think most of the players at our store probably play, if not just commander, then at least mostly commander. Yeah. But there are some players who play a lot of standard at our store, mm. especially on arena. And um, I think and Daniel is the king of them. At, Daniel at the plays more arena at work. 
then I think most of us play Arena at all. I'm, and if Daniel's employers are listening to this podcast, <laughs> um, that was made up. I, yeah, I made that, that up. Uh, Daniel's never satire, played. Satire. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I suppose the other thing to consider, so this is the, there were the three main archetypes was the, yeah. the, the Timmy, the Johnny and the Spike. Um, I think in Commander, when you're thinking about your play style, it's also worth thinking about how you normally win. And this actually, again, calls back to our first episode, the ending the game. We're good at this, aren't we? Linking our episodes <laughs> together. It's like we've planned it out. It's, it's incredible. It's crazy like yeah. that. Um, so, you know, some of the things we pointed out in that one, there are obviously combos, but there's also, you know, do you normally win with combat damage? Do you like to lean towards aristocrats mm. kind of strategies where every time that one of your creatures dies, you're taking some, some life away from somebody? Because um, I think probably your play style is mostly going to be something about like where you sit in the Jimmy, Johnny... Oh my God, did it again. Timmy, Timmy Johnny, Johnny, and Spike. Spike, yep. that kind of spectrum. And then also how you end the game. Um, and that, I think, neatly brings me to what I want to ask you, James, which yeah. is, we sort of alluded to it already, but... If if you were to try and define your playstyle, what do you think it would be? Uh, see, like every like every section we've just gone through, I've been like, oh yeah, I do that, I do that <laughs> a little bit. But I think a shadow of a doubt, I'm a Johnny. Mm. I I I'm I'm the type of player that likes to think he's the smartest person in the room, <laughs> and likes assembling something and then holding it above everyone's head, going, "Look at the magnificent thing I have just created." Um, I think to a certain extent, I'm. A Timmy and a Spike as well. Like we, like we said, I love my Gishath deck, mm. but it's a very outside of my usual playstyle thing. So that's yep. like what our space commanders have asked us to do is my Gishath deck is is something that's very very different to what I usually mm, play. Outside of your normal playstyle. Outside yeah. of my normal playstyle, and my normal playstyle is definitely Johnny. And I think to a certain extent, because I have a CDH deck, I think to a certain extent I am a Spike as well. Mm. And. I think it's only for my Niv-Mizzet deck, my CDH deck, that I do the spike things where I look at cards and analyze them and really dig into the nuts yeah. and bolts and the mechanics. And and especially when I play my Niv-Mizzet deck, I'm a different person. It's like I'm playing poker. Mm. Like I hold my card, like I put my cards face down on the table and look at them like I'm looking at a poker hand kind yeah. of thing. So I think to a certain extent I'm a spike. Sometimes I love throwing a big dinosaur on the table, mm. but my heart of hearts... I am a Johnny. I completely Hands agree. Hands down. I completely Hands agree. Down. I, think, I think if I was trying to define my play style... I'm really curious of what you self-analyze yourself as, because I, I have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll say mine and then I'll... Uh, actually, before I get to mine, then I'll, I might say what I think yours is. Okay, go on. Yep, I, think, think I... I think you're right. I think you're, you're yeah. a Johnny. Um, I think... I actually think you're not that much of a spike. I think you're almost not a spike at all outside of CEDH, yeah. because I've noticed that lately you've actually taken a lot of powerful cards out of your decks and a lot of combos out of your decks I actually, well. funnily enough, I know the intro bit that we did talked about Freed from the Real on Zaxara, but that doesn't exist in my Yeah, like you anymore. just took it out. You don't, yeah. you don't play it anymore. And, and um, I think what I noticed about you is that you are increasingly about how you play the game and less how you build your decks. I, I don't think you spend 100%. very much time at all like shifting cards in and out of your decks anymore. You still do it, but like not a lot. But I most have... of your enjoyment of the game, from what I've noticed, is on the day. You're playing the it decks. Is. You're like, oh, what can I play here? What can I chew to here? Yeah. What can I find that lets me do the next thing? Which is very, very Johnny, obviously. I so. think you're 100% right because I actually have a stack of cards on my desk at home that are cards to put in decks yeah and that stack has grown consistently so i just don't put in the effort to do the spike thing of like because when we we're in lockdown used to do that all the time that's we all we used to do that yeah time, we yeah. used to sit on the dining room table and just build and analyze and put them in moxfield and compare and contrast and <laughs> yeah. i just don't do that anymore and mm. i think that the reason is because i get more enjoyment out of it now 
playing the game yeah. and also interacting with people is my favorite thing about Commander. Mm, yeah. Um, which again, last episode, com- communicating, <laughs> communicating with like, the players. It's yeah. like we've timed it. Um, <laughs> I just think that the the Johnny aspect of the game being that you know I'm the smartest person in the room kind yeah. of thing. I love that so much more than coming. Like I almost feel a little sweaty if I come with like a spike deck. Mm. I feel like I'm, I mean, it's nothing against spikes. Like, you know, if you're a spike player out there, like more power to you. But I personally think being a Johnny on the day is more fun than being a spike Mm. in the off season. Do you think you relax more when you come in knowing that you're not like refining your deck a bunch? Yeah. I guess it's it's lower stakes, right? It is. And the other thing is like, I've found that, hey, I spend less money. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Important detail. I'm, I'm consistently not worried about like, you know, there's like, for example, Kamigawa. I have a Yuriko deck, and and I love my Yuriko deck to bits. And Kamigawa was obviously a very big ninja set. Bunch of ninjas in that set, yeah. and and there were a lot of really powerful cards. I actually did slide a few cards that I got over time, but honestly, the I only have just put in the the Rat Ninja, the one that buffs other ninjas and ninjutsu for two. Right. I only put that in the deck a couple of days ago. Right. So like it's like legitimately, I'm like less stressed about my decks being optimal performance level and more about how I pilot them because I also have this super great satisfaction that if my deck is a little out of date and there's something you know that's objectively a better card than it is for example um mirror box and uh hall of mirrors like that that five mana artifact that says the legendary rule doesn't apply and the new kamigawa one that says three mana artifact legendary rule doesn't apply and buffs all the legendary creatures and does something else like that is a power creep card and a half I don't run that yet but I get a huge sense of satisfaction of using the older shitter card <laughs> and winning with this it. This is That's... quintessential Johnny, right? Here. Yeah, yeah. Like sure. I get more of a satisfaction with that. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy that you've identified me like that because it, it kind of reassures me that I'm a, a relaxed player to be around. It's now. probably where you want to be. It's, it's where like, I want to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Now. I'm really curious. I'm going to hold back my opinion on what you are. Okay. Because I'm really, really curious of how you self-analyze yourself in these three archetypes. Where do you think you sit? Look, I think, I think with, with like anybody, you find bits in all of them. Yes, of course. Um, I don't think I'm much of a Timmy. That would be the one that I think I, I generally, I almost run no, it's probably too much nitpicking nerds that I'm watching, but I don't run almost any like high mana value spells anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I run like two or three above five mana spells. Yeah. And m- most of my decks, that's that's just how it's going to be. Timmy's would roll over and laugh at that. Yes, they would. <laughs> they would. They want a lot more ramp. As yeah. Well. Um, so I, I think I'm probably. <sighs> it's funny that the, the, the aspect of the spike, as we were talking about it, of. T- subbing cards in and out of your decks yeah. I do that a bunch and I really refine my decks a lot and I think a lot about them and I like am constantly like I'll be in the middle of being somewhere like not like at work and I'll suddenly think oh in my Reese deck I could take out aura re- mutation and put in like insert other card oh my god and then I'll like, put it on my wish list I have like wish lists on Moxfield so I know to buy that card honestly <laughs> I'm, like I'm gonna jump in right here in my mind, you're actually a spike player. That's so Like, funny. it's really interesting because, like, and and I know, like, there are aspects of you that are a Johnny player, I have to admit. You get a lot of satisfaction out of doing really intricate, and the, fun... the weird cards, as I was saying. And, yeah. like, the budget cards and all that kind of stuff that no one's heard of. And you're like, yeah, it's 50 cents, you should buy it. Um, <laughs> but I think you're a spike player because if, if you haven't ever um, played with Walt in store, Walt is a very quick to pull out his phone 
and write something down very quickly if you're playing a game. And what he's probably doing is noting a card that you've just played because he'll go home and test it out in Moxfield. <laughs> he'll put, and like, this is the thing, like I, I'm, I'm sat in, in looking at Wall's computer now and there's like Moxfield lists of all of Walt's decks, every <laughs> single one of them. And they're all up to date. I do keep them up to date. All actually, of them yeah. are up to date. And, and you are the type of player that like, you know, when when you're playing, you sequence in a very specific, streamlined way. Of you play the optimal card at the optimal time. Yeah. There is very there's there's definitely moments where you go, I'm going to do this instead because it's fun or funny. Yes. But ninety percent of the time, especially in the early game, you're like, this is the right way to play the deck. <laughs> and also something that you do is after the game you analyze, and that's a th- I think a very spike trait. Mm. Um, after the game, you usually are like oh. If I did that there, it probably would have been objectively better to do. And if I maybe didn't cast this spell, you probably wouldn't have done that. So I would have been available to do this later or something like that. It's true. This is so funny. I, I, I think because I because I do the typical magic thing of associating spikes with being like... Super sweaty. competitive. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because like I... In terms of like how I play Commander, I'm way more interested in the social aspect of yeah. it. And I'd much rather play a terrible game like, you know, mechanically... And have a great time with people, then have a really great game in terms of the cards that I play, and not mm-hmm. be having fun with the people that I'm at. I think most people who play Commander are like that. So. Um, but yeah, the more that you're saying that, I actually kind of see it. And also, a couple of seasons ago on MTGA, you got really into limited. I did too. You, and you real and you started watching streamers, and you started watching uh, I like to competitive a podcast. Play. Yeah, I used to listen to um, uh, Samuel Sam Black. Has a podcast Shameless called pod yeah, <laughs> Go Shady Round, uh, Drafting Archetypes. It's very, I will say it's very advanced and there's yeah. a lot of, I had to look up a lot of concepts frequently when I would watch him stream right. and when I would listen to his podcast. But like, holy crap, if you want to be like super detailed in your approach to how you play Limited... Yeah, it's like, it will give you absolutely everything you and, could ever want to know. And there you go. The fact that you've just said that, I think actually confirms Walt. You are a spike. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, tournament grinder. I guess I also yeah. I do play a lot of pauper as well. You do, and you love that format I too. Do. And like when a tournament, like when a tournament for pauper comes around, you are usually the first to to put your name down. It's true. So it's true. And and like I actually have next to we're recording this in my room, and next to where we're recording, I have a bunch of goals. Oh, you do and there's too. A, there's a Magic the Gathering one there that says win an event. It's like in very tiny oh, writing. Wow, James can just barely see it, but. Um, yeah, like I, I do actually, it's so funny. I think because I don't want to be competitive, I don't want to feel, be, be someone the, who's what I would mean call a gracious competitor. Oh, you're, okay. uh, I would say you're competitive, but you still shake your opponent's hand at the end of a game. Yeah, you're still polite. There's like being competitive and being a spike doesn't mean that you sit there with like sweat beads pouring down <laughs> your head true. with like a vein pulsing, like, yeah. you're, I'm going to kill this man <laughs> if I do not win. Um, I think that you can be a spike and be a gracious player. And, okay. and yeah, I'm... I was so thinking you were going to identify yourself as a Timmy because you love casting like overwhelming stampede. You love that card. That's true. And like, I, there are aspects of your play that you love being like, and then I smack this onto the table and look, <laughs> look at its power and toughness are equal to the number of creatures out of control. How many? 95. <laughs> it's like, you like doing that kind of stuff, but it's, it's always done in a way that is so calculated and you get, you get yeah. there in the spike way. That's true. That's interesting. Wow. You've actually, you, you've changed my mind. I, I see it. I'm going to have to start calling myself a spike. Oh my God. Walter spike. Okay. We got and a paper. We're doing the paper right, thing. Here we go. Hey. Oh. <laughs> that 
they went everywhere. Nearly gave uh, Walt a paper cut in his face then, actually. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we've defined our play style. It took yeah. maybe a little bit longer than we thought it would, but we've worked out how we're going to think mm. about our play style. And, but importantly, the command was know your play style and know how to move out of it. Know how to move outside of it. Yes. So, um, first off, I think it's worth thinking about ways that you can enhance your play style. Yeah, for sure. So, I th- yeah. I think that um, when you figure out who you are, um, you get this, like, sense, like, it, just in life, generally. Like, when you go, oh, I'm that person in the friend group, you know, you, you get more comfortable in knowing that that's your position and, and mm. the, the aspects of yourself, like... I'm always the the person to organize things in in my friendship groups. Like I'm always the person that goes, right, I'll I'll book the table for dinner, I'll order the Uber, I'll make sure that things are sort of lined up. And when I realized that, I felt more confident in when I do that because I yeah. realized that's my role, right? Yeah. And I think now that I know that like when I started getting that reputation of for being the player with the responses, I was way more comfortable in responding to things. Mm. So I'd build certain decks to make them more responsy because yeah. that's the way I play and that's the way people expect me to play. And yeah, and I think this is the, the the way of approaching your play style that's probably just inherently going to be the most fun for you, right? Yes. Like, by knowing exactly how the pl- you play the game, yes, you're going to work out how you play the game in an effective way, but you're also going to work out how you play the game and have fun playing yeah. it. And so, of course, when you then build decks and go to pilot them, you're going to be thinking like, oh, I know what I want out of this game. I'm a Timmy. I, yep. want, I want to cast Apex Devastator. Yeah. You know? This the, the first half of my mana curve is just going to be ramped because I want to get to that two... Like, I've got five 11 CMC spells that I want to cast. Yeah. I want to cast all of them this game. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But you're also... Yeah, you, when you know it, you're also going to want to find ways of tweaking it yeah. and finding decks where you can... You know, you can almost do the thing of picking a commander who's not a playstyle that you would typically play mm. and then making it your playstyle. And I actually have an example here, and I'm going to throw it straight to you so you can go, go into all the detail. Um, <laughs> I, I know exactly what commander you're going to use, too. I know it. James has a Bruderclad deck. Telecord engineer, Bruderclad. You always see the Scottish accent. It's, it's baffling. I see. I, I get it. Bruderclad. Bruderclad. It just works Bruderclad. so well with the Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's it's like a six mana commander, right? And it's it's, it's, big, yeah. it's blue red, but it's not very blue red. Well, you can disagree with that if you like. It's not your typical blue. It's red, not typical blue yeah. red. So basically, you um, I think it gives tokens you control have haste. Yes, creature tokens. Big big thing. Big thing. At the beginning of combat in your turn, you make a mirror, which is like a two one two colorless. one red blue. Red oh, blue. it's a red, red blue. blue. Interesting. Yep. Okay, yep. So it's a it's a colored thing, but it's an artifact creature. And then you can make any number of tokens that you have a copy of target token. So, do you want to explain what kind of a deck your yes. Bruder Clad deck is? Because this is probably the kind of deck where if James hadn't built it, I would have. Because I love tokens. And this is, yeah, this is the thing. When I saw Bruder Clad, I actually got it out of the um, the Sahili pre-con. Oh, you did? I remember when you so, bought that. Yeah, yeah. I bought it because I was like, oh, I want um, a deck that's a lower power level for our playgroup. And I just thought buying a pre-con and upgrading it would be the fun way to do it. Yeah. Um, and I started tweaking it a little bit and I kept the commander the same. And then I saw Brutoclad and honestly, there was no synergy in the deck for Brutoclad. It was just kind of one of those cards that was just in the deck because it was just a red, random. blue and artifact. That's what it said. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, it, it was like a real moment of me going like, this card does nothing in this deck. I'm going to take it out. 
and it was sat in my box for a really long time. Mm. And then I was like, I need to build something different. I want to build something new. And I was like looking and I, I instantly went to white and green tokens because you had your Reese deck. Mm. Um, you And like I was playing a lot with you back then. So it was like looking at... You see it a lot. Yeah. I was seeing a lot of tokens. And I was like, I don't have any decks that do tokens. Let me find right. a let me find a green white commander that does tokens. <laughs> And whoopsie daisy, I found a red blue commander that did tokens. Um, and I think that like, I just saw that red and blue had ways that you could play with tokens that were so different from green, white. Yeah. Like green, white does a lot of stuff like populating and mm. um, parent toughness are equal to the number of creatures you control. So you want to yeah. go low and wide. Brutaclad is about like finding some weird wacky way of turning a really key creature into a token then use all the tokens to do something but also <laughs> yeah. it says target token you control because or like a token you could choose a token you control all other tokens become a copy of that token not creature token yeah you can use clues you can use treasures Treasure. yeah. gold so yeah. like when i when i clicked on that i was like you can build a token deck and use things like tamio's journal do you know the card Ah, it makes clues. It's a five mana artifact that allows you to, at the beginning of your upkeep, you make a clue. And a clue, if you don't know, is pay two mana, sacrifice a draw card. But Tamiyo's journal has the ability of sacrificing three clues and tutoring your library for a card. Whoa! Yeah, so if you use that with Brutaclad, you, you can, can turn... I mean, all you need is one more token, right? You've got it's your clue in your upkeep. Bam, and then the You've mirror. You've got the mirror that's there. If you can just get one more clue somehow, and or any token, really, because yep. then you just make all your tokens, including the mirror. And spoiler alert, there's a couple of other ways of making tokens. <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> yeah. You, You've got three clues. You suck it. You shoot it. Anything to your hand. Anything to your, to your hand. Anything to your hand. Whoa! So, like, this is the thing. When I started realizing that, like, this token strategy that i wanted to build which typically i always saw as mono white green white um naya tokens that yeah. have like a lot of like even kiki g uh, like a, or um krenko yeah it's just like lots of little bodies mm. i was like that's really boring what if i could do something that was like way bigger so like then i started th- seeing cards like sahili's directive which is an x uh, red 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 with improvise and it's reveal X cards from the top of your library and put all artifact cards with CMC X or less onto the battlefield under your control. It's massive. Whoa. So then you pair that with cards like Brass's Bounty, make a ton of treasures. Oh. You do- and because the card has improvised, you don't even have to sack the treasures for the mana. Oh. You can just tap them. And like I and then gold. You can tap them for improvise and then sack, sack them, them for the mana. <laughs> turn them into gold. That's so, funny. so there's like this is the thing, like, a, like you would read Brutaclad decks and go, okay, this I need to create as many Thopters, as many near, like, putting cards like Mere mm. Battlesphere in the deck is important, yeah. killing someone with a one-shot with a Mere Battlesphere, all that kind mm. of stuff. That's what the card reads and says to do. Yeah. I looked at that deck and went, nah, yeah. there, there's something <laughs> how, way Yeah, how can I do tokens here? but do it in a James way? Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting because, like, I obviously have the reputation of doing the in-response guy. Like, yeah. I have it tattooed on my arm. Like, yeah. I'm the in-response guy, but... Brutaclad is very much I tap out on my turn and don't do much on the other turns. Except when you have Paradox Engine down. Which oh. you do you do tutor that card. Not par- Unwinding Clock. Unwinding Paradox, clock yes, Paradox I'm Engine is banned. That is banned. But yeah, it's um it like when I get that card down, I can then turn my little value engines to be active on everyone's turn. Yeah, and I can yeah. pump out something every single turn. Like sure. oh uh, having a um uh, a card exiled with Mimic Vat. Ah, that one's fun. And you pay three, tap it, create a token of the exiled card. 
if you haven't entered the battlefield effect on that and an unwinding clock down and you're doing that every <gasps> single turn, oh. that becomes like a disgusting James engine that just, oh, <laughs> uh, and like when, like I got an acidic slime under that one game. So I was just popping oh. a permanent every turn. Oh, acidic slime can even hit lands. So even when you run out of artifacts and enchantments, you can yeah. just blow up people's lands. God, that's wild. So like, I, I yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because my Brutaclad deck was definitely one of those decks that I turned... And I, I find it funny that it's still red-blue. Like, it's, it's, it's not like I've found... James was like, I'm going to go way outside my normal playstyle. I'm thinking red-blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts because it's true. Um, but yeah, I, I saw it and I was like, I'm going to build something that's completely different to to how normal people would build tokens. Yeah, but um, it's, it's, it's your playstyle, but yeah. not in a way that you typically go about it. So yeah, exactly. you kind of enhance the way that you would you would normally play. And I think, I think that's saying one thing, whereas where you find a commander and you make it your own, mm. um, and you really turn, you know, if, if the average person would build a deck like this, like on EDH rec, the average person would build it like this, mm. and you look at it and you go, I'm going to have more fun with this deck I and I'm gonna, if I do it my way. Yeah. And like from our, you know, the space command, knowing when to really dive into your playstyle to have fun and go mm. outside of it, that's the time. If you're going to enjoy yourself playing that specific way with that deck, yeah, do it. Yeah. And like you can even, uh, part of knowing your playstyle can be like, well, that was sort of going a, a little bit outside, like, you know, uh, using your playstyle in a different way. Mm. You can also just go all in. You can just look at your yep. playstyle and go, what if I just built a deck that was everything I want to do to the maximum? So, like, this card reads, Walt. Like, it's yeah. like, this is what I want to build. And I, I actually have someone that, when you said that, I have someone that just jumps to, to mind immediately. Mm. When we were talking about Timmy's, there's a name that we didn't drop that I think was really obvious. I was thinking it in my head. And yeah. if, if he is listening to the podcast, we you are our local Timmy. <laughs> Nick, you are definitely our local Timmy. Uh, if you've not played with Nick, Nick is without a shadow of a doubt the green, white, red Naya. I'm a big scary dinosaur. Raw, fear me and my, yep. my army. Yep. Um, and they have an incredible... It's, it's one of my favourite decks he's built. It's definitely his favourite for sure. It's his Atlapalani deck. Mm. And it is without a shadow of a doubt, I am building the way I want to play and mm. the cards I want to see on the field. And I'm going to go deck. all out. Yeah. And do it as much as I possibly can. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. nothing about that deck. Because like you could see Atlapalani, like if you don't know the card, basically she makes eggs. And whenever an egg dies, if she's on field, you reveal cards from the top of your library, put the first creature you reveal onto the battlefield. So it's yeah. like you're hatching eggs. Now, you could see that and go, oh, maybe a Johnny would go, maybe I can untap it and tap it a million times mm. in a turn. But that'd have to include things like Kiora's Follower in that deck and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, you couldn't because it's blue. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they'd look at that and go down that side. Mm. But yeah, you are so right. Nick is just like dinosaurs. Yeah. Big things. Big things. If, if, if Nick finds a new big creature that he likes... I mean, it's hard now because he loves the deck so much that he's got attached to every card in it, so it's hard for him to take and things out. And they're all out. foiled out. They're all yeah. babies. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing, I think, yeah, like the way that he does the Timmy, it's like he has such a personal con connection to each of these creatures, and mm. he likes playing that way. And so the Atlapalani deck is perfect because 
every hit in an Atla Palani deck is supposed to be nuts. Yeah. Like, you do not run small creatures in an Atla Palani deck because you want every single hit yeah. you could possibly get to be nuts. Don't you run mana dorks be... for ramp. Run spells for ramp because yeah. you don't want to crack an egg and hit a Bird's Paradise. No, no. You want Blithesteel Colossus. Yeah, you want slightly better than Bird's Paradise. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you want, um, you know, the... Uh, is it Abyssin Angel of Hope, the one that gives all your permanents oh, indestructible? A white player's dream. Including herself? Yeah. 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 And, or, yeah, you hit the huge dinosaurs, you know, you hit... Got the, the Galta. The, the Galta, yeah. you know, all of the really big stuff. Um, so, you know, that's an example of Nick. Nick knows his playstyle, and he's like, well, I'm gonna just gonna 100% go all in on this. Yep. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. So, like, if you really want to steer into your skid, steer into your skid. If you and, and this is the thing, we're all, like, on this podcast, we're all about enjoyment of the game. Mm. If you enjoy playing a certain way, play it. Yeah. But I do want to remind you of the other part of the, what the space commanders have told us, is knowing when to move outside your play style, yeah. knowing how to do it. And I think that there's really easily a quite a defining way to start. And we've already mentioned it because we've talked about red-blue for me. It's colours. What mm. colours do you typically play? And maybe you should try and explore other colours that you don't usually play. Like, well, you are, without a doubt, a green-white player. <laughs> like, it, it courses through your veins. I know that, like, there's you've got a lot of red decks now, and there's a yeah. lot of blue as well, surprisingly, popping mm. up in your decks. But you, if, if we were on Ravnica, you would be sat in a garden with the Selesnia Conclave, <laughs> drinking tea, eating some really delicious vegan sandwich that a Loxodon has prepared for you. That <laughs> They are your colours. They are your yeah, colours, man. And, and sure. I'm really interested because we referenced this um, a couple of, uh, like at last episode as well, with your Is It Wizards deck. And I'm also mm. now thinking your Tygam deck as well. Yeah. Walk me through the process of A, why you decided to build them, mm. because they're definitely not you. They're definitely not typical Walt. And mm. B, how did you find going outside of your playstyle and building it and, and also making it your own? Like, yeah. you isn't Wizards, definitely your own deck. It's like, true, it's true. Well, look, I think, to be honest, the reason that I built them in the first place was that I realised I didn't really have blue decks. Like, I had yeah. a couple, but they were like, you know, I had an Arami deck, which is a graveyard deck. And it's not really blue. No, it's, it's, black. it's a black deck, <laughs> yeah. really. And and so I, I actually did, made a little spreadsheet and calculated how many commanders I had of each color. And I was like, wow, I just have like no blue decks. Can like, I just point out again, Spike player right here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's coming full circle. Um, anyway, so I was like, well, the first thing I thought to myself is what's one, because I have like a lot of decks. And I was like, what's one archetype I definitely don't have any of? And I was like, I don't know any like spell slinger decks, like spells, decks that not quite storm, but just like want to cast a million spells. Mm. And so I brewed a bunch of them online. And in the process, I actually tried the Kaza wizards thing um, as the spell slinger thing. But as I was building the deck, I realized that because Kaza um, taps and reduces the cost of the next instant or sorcery you cast, where X is the number of um, wizards you control. And the thing I realized is the wizards deck actually doesn't want to cast Lots of big. spells. It wants to cast one big spell. Yeah. And I still liked that, but I was like, oh, this is actually not quite right. So then I was like, oh, I'll leave that. And so I was like, I found Tygam, which is the blue-white. Cool it's such a cool command. I'm shocked it doesn't get played more. Um, it's basically you, when Tygam attacks, until the end of turn, when you cast an instant or sorcery, it has rebound. Which means that it goes into... Such a silly... It's so silly. It's mad. It's, it's crazy. Ridiculous. So basically, when you cast a spell, it goes into exile, and your upkeep, you can cast it again without paying its mana cost. So, like, things Every like... spell just happens twice, basically. So, extra turn spells? I had one of those that... 
yeah, yeah. Like, I had, I, there's one of those in the deck i'll admit i didn't i didn't think that would be so much fun for other people but yeah that's nuts obviously. yeah crazy but, but also just like cantrips like yeah if you cast ponder and then you get it again a free ponder at the start of your turn seems good yeah yeah like before you've even drawn you can arrange the top cards you can shuffle you can draw a card Mad. like crazy good um anyway so what i ended up doing though is i built this deck and I was like, but I actually still want to do the big spells thing. So I built cards as well, <laughs> which was not my intention. But yeah, like basically I thought to myself, look, you know, there's a bunch of token commanders I'd love to build. There's a bunch of like mono white commanders mm. I'd love to build. And I probably would have had fun doing it, but I thought it'd be, I'd learn more as a magic player if I built something I hadn't played. Yeah. And was way outside my play style. And look, the, the cards of Wizards deck is pretty janky and silly <laughs> and probably pretty on brand for me. But the Tigam deck is like, completely different from pretty much every deck I own. I, I actually remember sitting down to play against it for the first time because we we obviously lived together for a long time and I knew pretty much every deck you were brewing at any yeah. given point. I saw, <laughs> I saw it from from idea at the kitchen table to conceptualizing on the computer to, to being delivered in the mail a couple of weeks later. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I've seen that a lot, but I actually hadn't spoken to you in a while when you were building a Tiger deck and mm-hmm. I had no idea what it was. You sat down at the table and I was like, what is this? This is not Waltz. This is... And, like... Because, like, you also have another Azorius deck, which is your Grand... Not Grand Arbiter. Your... No, um, no the Azor the Lawbringer deck, yeah. which is a bit of a baby deck for you. It's mm, a pet deck. It's my first deck. Yeah. yeah and it, it's it's about life gain and card draw, which... And you've turned into a very you deck. There's lots of tokens that are linked to card draw. There's mm. all this kind of stuff going on. And it's it's definitely an Azorius deck that I'm like, yeah, this is this is a Walt deck. I can see where this has come from. Yeah. Tie game. Totally different. No. There's stuff like, you know, like flickering things and then getting flickers in upkeep and then like, like just like simply a swords to plowshares rebounded is, is wild. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of those things that like, I don't expect to see you with a stack of cards that you're going to cast for free. Cause that's not a Walt play. Mm. You're not casting things for free in any of your other decks except <laughs> no, that deck. It's true. So it's, it's really interesting to see how you've managed to go yes i want to explore this mm. and also at the same time build a whole new play style for yourself and now when you play it it's really interesting watching you because you're you play differently you act differently mm. at the table it's like a form of self-expression that's yeah. like a different side of you for sure and i think i pull it out probably more often than i otherwise would like if it was a different mm. deck i think i'd play it less because most of my other decks have similarities yeah and so if i'm just like I just want to draw a bunch of cards. I just want to see, a, like, a million <laughs> cards in my deck. I will play Tiger Game because I will be casting five cantrips a turn, rebound, doing it again. So, yeah, like, again, I, I started with how do I play? You know, I, I yeah. knew my play style, and I went outside of it by thinking about the colours that, that I didn't play much and the play style I didn't play much. Mm. And, yeah, like, it, it was it was a lot of fun to do. Um, so it, I think I can think of one immediately, but... You've done this for sure Definitely. as well yourself because you, you had your first few decks had similarities. Even you got <laughs> a Selesnia deck and it still had an infinite combo. In I did, I did, and that was that was also interesting. That's a um, I f- totally forgot about my um, uh, Cat Siona Captain of the Pilies deck because again that was one of those decks that I built specifically because I wanted to play outside my play style. Mm. And I just looked at you across the table and was like, "What's Walt doing? I know I don't play like Walt. Let me do. Let me copy what Walt does." And I saw a, an enchantress every time in it, an aura is equipped. To, uh, it slaps on a creature. You create a token. It's a one-one soldier. And I was like, "That seems pretty fair." 
And then I stumbled across a card that says every time a creature's entered the battlefield, you can reattach this aura to it. <laughs> so you I make remember, Shielded soldiers. by Faith. Shielded by yeah, faith. that's the card. So you make infinite soldiers. Yeah. You go nuts with it. It's a great <laughs> card. And then like I put in other things like Walking Blister and Helion yeah. in that deck. Yeah. And it just became, again, a deck that James went, nah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, was, it was more like when we were talking about your Brutal Cloud deck, I would say. You definitely. Know, you knew your play style. You wanted to move a little bit outside of it, but it was mostly just... You know, it, it was a, a branch off of Definitely. your playstyle. Yeah, it was Where, basically my playstyle with different colours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas I, I can think of a couple of decks, and I'm sure you're going to lose yeah. one, that you have built recently where I think you quite actively said, okay, I know which decks I build. Yeah. I'm going to build something nothing like that. And the, the one we've already mentioned, and it's my Gishath deck. And yeah. I, I specifically built Gishath to say, there's a bit of a, a joke that's running in our store that I hate green. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, a little bit. <laughs> um, I think green is always treated so lovely by Wizards of the Coast. You guys get everything. You guys it's get true. card draw, you get ram, you get everything. <laughs> we have to struggle in red-blue for, for any kind of... <laughs> you don't have to struggle for card draw. What in are you blue, talking no. about? In ramp, though, my God. Yes, have, you seen, have you seen my collection of two-mana talismans? It's insane. <laughs> um, but I built Gishath specifically because I wanted to show the store that I do play green, and I can yes. play green. But there's another deck that, that's sprung to mind that I built that is so outside of my playstyle that's actually not even in our playstyles. And it's mm. my Liesa deck. Yeah. It's my... And, and it's bla black-white. Every time someone casts a spell, they lose two life. I call it my Death by a Thousand Cuts deck. Yep. Because the whole point of the deck is it doesn't want the game to end quickly. It wants everyone to sit at the table and hopefully make the other three players miserable as they watch their <laughs> lives total trickle down slowly but ever so surely yeah. and my life just to go up and up and up. Yeah, you've, you've got lots of ways of gaining little amounts of life. Yes. Liesa also importantly. Probably like, the most... Yeah. Just why did they do that? Five five with lifelink and flying. Like it's not like a hard attack to get through. I like, actually accidentally killed people with commander damage with Liesa yeah, because I didn't I realize that it. five damage. Like that's a four, it adds up. four or five rotations around. Especially when it's flying, it's hard yeah. to block that. Yeah, yeah. So the the design of Liesa was actually it came out of lockdown. Um, mm. I was stuck in lockdown and I was in the typical Magic player depression mode of looking at all my decks, going, oh, "I want people to play with," um, <laughs> and I was like, "What's something I can do that's." about magic that's not um playing with people and right. and i immediately went right let me just try and build a deck out of my own collection the collection so liesa came from like i was like i'm gonna build a commander that seems really hard to build and i right. saw liesa and was like you're losing life as well so you have to balance this weird effect of like draining everyone but also making sure you've got enough lifelink going on in your deck that you can sustain yourself right. and it was like i built it as a challenge and then i brought it to the store when the lockdowns stopped and Honestly, one of the first games I played was with one of our community members, Johnny. Not he's not a Johnny. Uh, oh, <laughs> he definitely has some decks that are Johnny S, but I'd say he's a Timmy. He's more Timmy. Timmy than definitely. And anyway, I sat down with Johnny, and I realized something gorgeous about this deck. If you put someone to two life or one life, and pass the turn, <laughs> <laughs> and you've got Liesa on field, they cannot do anything. And my God, is it sweet! <laughs> And, and honestly, I, I saw that and it was like a playstyle that I'd never had before. And I'd played against Death and Taxes playstyles. Mm, yeah. So now the deck is a bit of a Staxi deck. Like I've got Windborne Muse effects. I've got, you know, the Ghostly Prison. Mm. I've got um, effects that, you know, punish people for playing lands. I've right. got effects that punish people for just swinging. I've got any, yeah. anything and everything I punish people for. And that's not how I play. No. I, I'm the response player. I'm not going to... You're, you're the proactive one, I think, as yeah. well. You're normally the one who's going and doing stuff. I 
suppose you're reactive as well because you like responding to things. But yeah. you know, you like to be the one who's leading the, yes. the play. You said before you, you like when people threat. when people point at you and say we've got to deal with James. You love yeah. that. Whereas Liesto is probably as far from that as you can get. You just want yeah. to sit there. People might still look at you and go, "Stop it!" <laughs> yeah, I'm losing a lot of life here. <laughs> but mostly, you're just sitting back and letting people do do their own your work for you basically and you know it's wild i was looking at my liesa deck recently and something that you know that i love is card draw mm. i got i mean my like my cdh deck it wins by drawing out the deck that's that's yep. the i love drawing cards and having mm. a million cards in my hand yeah i looked at my liesa deck and there's a real big problem that i need to fix it's card draw there's not enough of it really and yeah and i realized that i think it's the problem i think the problem's there because i just went so hard into the death and taxes thing and probably away from what you'd normally do exactly right so i think i need to put more me back in the deck <laughs> and like think ironically move it away from exactly where it's at, but and yeah. i think maybe i'll start throwing in things like manatide and uh, lapse right. of certainty and okay. stuff like that because Maybe I just shake up the deck and make it more me again. Mm. I don't know. But like, it's definitely a deck that if you were to go through, if you were to give someone my collection and say, spot the intruder deck, like <laughs> pretend that there's a deck yeah. in here that doesn't belong, instantly would find that. Deck. Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of others as well, but that one definitely stands out yeah. as being not at all yeah, yeah. play style. So yeah, look again, if, if you want to think about the ways that you play, obviously we talked a lot about finding what kind of a player you are. But if you want to find some ways of playing that are not how you would normally play, because it can be hard to think of them off the top of your head because you do gravitate mm. towards what you want to do, which is probably what you've already done. Um, I think a good place to look is EDH Rec. Um, yeah. Specifically, there's a tab on EDH Rec called, um, I think it says Themes. I think, yeah, and I you love can also that tab. Do, you can also do Tribes as well. Yeah. But um, it'll give you, give you an idea of um, at least the major deck archetypes that exist and honestly the, the first time i went onto it i was shocked at how many different archetypes there was so many because our our play group again because it, it just used to be us so often yeah. i was like there are two ways to play magic spell slinging on the stack and tokens on the field <laughs> they're the ways you can play commander spoiler yeah. alert there's a couple more than there's that. a few more yeah yeah and look there's, there's overlap with various ones but yeah. um you know like if you haven't built a lands deck before Try it. Yeah. Try a lands deck. Try a spell slinger deck. Definitely, if you if you gravitate towards creatures, try building a deck that casts a million spells. Yeah. It will really test your deck building skills. And you if know, you really want to limit yourself, try build the Cody that doesn't allow you to have oh a my creature. Oh my god! In it. I have. If you if you're a Timmy oh. creature player, challenge yourself. See what I, you can do. Oh, someday I'm going to build that deck. I've looked at it so many times yeah. and gone, "That's so weird." <laughs> I want it. I want it. Out of anyone, I reckon you'll be able to make it yeah. work. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, I think the other thing I would say to if you're thinking about ways to go outside your playstyle, if you don't have a tribal deck, just make one. Don't make a lot of tribal decks. I will say because you, you start to get. Sick <laughs> Are you of talking it. from experience? There, I am. Well? I am talking from experience. The, the thing about tribal decks is that you there's just there's cards that are always the right cards. If you're playing goblins, there are goblins that are always the mm. right goblin for a goblin deck. And you know? also, you, I, th I feel like every tribal player falls into the trap of using every changeling that's good. Yeah, every changeling that, ends up well. in the deck. And like, yeah. if you build multiple decks, like if you've got multiple token decks or multiple tribal decks that have white in it, you're going to have mirror entity in all of them. Yeah, for sure. For Just sure. because it's it's a must include. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. And look, the other thing you can do is you can you can try and do a couple of things at once when you're moving outside mm. your playstyle. So like, I I I definitely stand by this that 
I think most of the time the decks I get most excited for is when I realize that I can combine two of my ideas into one. Mm. If I can draw life gain. Yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. Or, or, you know, if I've got a bunch of cards that I put aside and gone, that's interesting. I wonder how that would work. And I'm kind of like, I'd love to find a spot for that. And then I realize, oh, I don't have a lands deck. And I'm like, like recently, I've been like, oh, Cascade seems cool. I know a lot of people hate Cascade. I'm sorry. But Cascade (laughs) seems cool and different, not like anything I've played before. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting kind of sick of my lands deck. <gasps> Averna. Oh. The teamer. What yes. you can play lands from exile when you cascade. And I'm like, I'm actually so excited to, to try building this deck now because I'm wow. like, this would be so weird to try and See find like a landfall deck. Cascade with landfall. You know, so like find find a deck that if you can is not just outside your playstyle, but combines a couple of things that you've been meaning to do for a while that wow. are outside your playstyle. I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of very long games with Averna <laughs> when you build it. It's going to be one of those things yeah. of like, all right, I cast a spell and now I'm going to take the next 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> to, to see how many landfall triggers I can get from for this. Sure, for sure. Interesting. Well, I mean, I feel like we've summed up playstyles pretty well here. I feel I think so. It's very been gone a little bit longer than we normally go. Definitely look, a long it's, episode. It's a complicated topic and yeah. um yeah, and it look, was a little bit of group therapy for us. We know who we are now. We, we're a little bit more comfortable <laughs> with <true>. that. <laughs> it's true. So yeah, like just just to summarize, I guess, um if you know your playstyle, it will let you have more fun. Mm-hmm. Whether you stay in your playstyle like we were saying and really enhance the way that you you play, you know, go nuts on that like we were talking about with the egg deck. Or if you move outside of it, no matter what, if you know what kind of deck builder you are, what kind of player you are, you'll have more fun, for sure. Yeah, I think, and and just as a general message, however you play is your way of playing, and you should be happy playing the game in your way. If yeah. you really like stacking people out, do that. Just find the right pod for it. Make sure you and everyone around you are having a good game. For sure, for sure. So for the listeners, um, what is your play style? Are you a Jimmy? Are you a... Oh my God, I did it again! It's like a fourth time! Are you a Timmy? A Johnny? Or a Spike? <laughs> are you one of those? Which one are you? Are you is there some overlap? Um, and now that you're thinking about, you know, what your playstyle is, what deck would do you want to build next to, to do something new? Yeah. And we're going to do Play of the Week this week, but I actually have a horrible admission that um, I was terribly ill this, were, this past week. Yeah. Um, Didn't I, see you. I, yes, I was very absent. I was even absent for the first time in a very long time for our weekly Commander Night, which mm. burnt me up inside. So I don't have a Play of the Week this week, unfortunately, because I haven't played Commander in a week. So, Walt, have you got a good play? <laughs> I'm hoping. <laughs> I do, actually. I was thinking about this, um, this earlier, but um, I was playing a game the other day day and i actually funnily enough i wanted to bust out my tigam deck and I, i've noticed that my tigam deck wins a lot <laughs> it's good and deck. so i basically said look i don't know for sure but i think this is going to be a high powered kind of game and yeah. i was playing with ellie and with nick um who we both mentioned both of those people yeah. today so that's kind of funny um anyway so i was like i'm playing my tigam deck it's reasonably powerful so i'm happy yeah. if you get no don't play cdh decks but something reasonably something strong. that can respond and interact with what i'm doing yeah you know? yeah exactly and so um funnily enough nick played his atla Pilani deck <laughs> surprise <laughs> <There you> surprise <laughs> leaning into the playstyle. yeah exactly um but ellie bust out moldrotha which oh, is the the Soltai commander that lets you play one permanent of each permanent type yeah. in your graveyard each turn so you can play a land you can play an enchantment you can play an artifact you can play a creature yeah um all the permanents? Planeswalker. You play Planeswalker, Planeswalker yep. as well. I'd be shocked if you played many Planeswalkers, but you might do it. <laughs> Look, if one comes in and ultimates immediately, that's good value. I mean, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Not the players. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, the play was, um, it was not so much a play as just a card. 
Um, hostage taker. Oh, that's the Demir card that um, exiles something when it enters and you can yeah. then cast it, right? Artifact or creature. Artifact um, or creature. It basically like does the typical thing that you'd see when you play it in person, which is you tuck it underneath the card. Because yeah. it lets you cast that card later. Um, but the problem is... <laughs> she did it the first time and we're like, okay, that's a bit annoying. Hostage taker is a good value card, yeah. Yeah, took my commander and I was like, oh, yep. that sets me back a bit. Ah, oh, how annoying. Um, and then I was like, oh, okay, I'll remove it. And I did, I did that. Good job. And then she cast Maldrotha. And then played it again, I and imagine. She played it again. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's getting pretty annoying now. Like, uh, I had two things I really wanted to keep on my board. They're both gone. And then she played a clone. Like a clone oh. effect that came in as a copy of Hostage Shaker and did it again. I'm so curious. At, at the end of the game, how many Hostage Taker enter the battlefield effects uh, did you experience? It had to be like eight or nine. Like eight was, or nine? Well, because we kept blowing it up because we wanted to cast spells, but we were also like... At some point, we were like, we have to slow this her down. This is where you need the exile effects while swords well, to plowshares it. <laughs> what I eventually did is I ended up tutoring. Um, I don't run swords or anything because I'm a weirdo. Budget player. <laughs> well, swords isn't even expensive. I'm just a freak. But anyway, I, I played the um, Angelic Ascension. The exile, it's one and a white. And exile's a, a creature or a planeswalker. Oh, and, yes. And it's control and makes a 4-4 four, 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 angel. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did that with the hostage taker, but this was after it had done about 10 activations. And keep in mind, this is not like all Ellie's doing. Like Ellie is doing this, but she's got like a million mana because there's so much ramp in that deck. So she's also like filling her board with like big creatures and like value plays while exiling everything me and Nick ever do. And it got to the point where me and Nick were just like passing the turn. We were like, oh, what can I do this turn that does not involve playing any permanence? (laughs) Hostage taker will steal. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I'll play, I'll play this cantrip. And I'll play this removal spell, oh and then I'll pass the turn. And so, yeah, play, play of the game is um, Ellie's sequencing of using Hostage Shaker. Because also, at one point, I tried to when I did try to remove it with Exile, she flashed in Stunt Double <laughs> and made a copy. And I was like, stop! Stop it! That, so, uh, Take to, no more hostages! To, to summarise, your play of the week was being stuck in Groundhog Day <laughs> with Hostage Taker, Look, seeing it again and again and again. It wasn't much fun, but it was pretty impressive, so shout out to Ellie, that was, that was, well that was done. awesome. Good play, good play of the week. And, well, before we end this podcast, yeah. we have one final thing to say, and it's actually an apology that we have to make from Do episode we? one of this season. We were talking about a card called Chroma's Will. I'm not sure if you remember this discussion. Oh my god. God, and yeah. we were talking specifically about Brea decks are the perfect deck to to counter this card because they make Thopters that are colourless and flying, so yes. they're the perfect blockers. It, it gets around the two things that a Chromosaur yeah. does. It gives flying, it gives reflection from all colours, it'll do it. There's a big problem. Is there? Stella came up to me in the store the other week and pointed out that the Thopters that Brea makes are blue. A Chroma's oh, Will does no! nothing. <laughs> a Chroma's Will gets through Breya's Thoptus. Message of the week, play a Chroma's Will in more of your decks. Even Breya it is a cannot broken, stop you. It is a broken, broken card. So we <laughs> apologize for the mistake we made. <laughs> Correction, yeah. Correction, uh, altering that. But yes, even, even Breya. Breya, one of the most powerful commanders out there. Oh my God. Doesn't stop a Chroma's Will. Wow, there you go. There you well, go. thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll, uh, we'll catch you in the next one. And uh, thanks, James. Nice, big, long episode. Let's end it with the sheet. There we go. Oh, oh my god. I almost paper cut you off. Yeah, that, that was very aggressive. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, everyone. All right. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.